Boilermakers do it! They survived the upset with a three-set run to win in five. The block by Purdue, and the Boilermakers are moving on! The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Palm, with head coach Dave Shondell as we get ready to, uh, well, we're approaching the the beginning of the 2023 season dave great to great to have you here as always uh let, let's talk some volleyball well this is the time to do it and we have a lot of conversations some of them at, at obscure times yes but now we're uh, getting right down the nitty-gritty and we're about a week and a half from our opener against duke and and a, a, a qua- crazy weekend crazy First weekend with three matches and in less than three days and um, it'll be great competition for our fans and I'm so excited that we've sold out every single match in, in, in our place for 17 matches which has never been done before at this point so um, and I'm, I'm happy we got a really good team bunch of great great athletes great people and uh, we're very very young but we're going to be very very good. You've, you've touched on a lot here. We're going to get to all this as the as the show unfolds. We'll talk about the team uh, in depth here in a little bit. We're going to talk about the early season schedule because uh, the, the preseason AVCA poll came out just the other day, and we knew the schedule was difficult, but, uh, whoa, baby, are there a lot of familiar names on that yeah. list, especially in the first month. First of all, uh, uh, let's start with the uh, – the, the closest thing to where we are right now, you guys have a scrimmage this Saturday yes. in Holloway yes, Gym. And uh, I know it's the second Saturday in a row for a scrimmage. This one's a bit more close to a dress rehearsal, I would, I would think. Exactly. Uh, what, what's, what's the goal? What's so important about this coming Saturday? Well, number one, we want it to be, as you mentioned, a dress rehearsal from the standpoint that it's our last chance to play in front of a, a crowd, uh, to go through our warm-up, to play four or five sets against good competition. Uh, some of our practice players, uh, many of our fans may not know this, but we have anywhere from three to four um, male practice players that we like to use. They're great guys that play on our club team, and they bring a lot to our practice. They, they simulate some of the best players in the country. So uh, some of those will play in our uh, scrimmage on Saturday night. Uh, we, we want we want as much competition on the other side of the net as we can find because that's what our season is going to look like. So, uh, but we we want to have two thousand people yeah. for this scrimmage this weekend, and I think that uh, for a team that um, has sold out every match, there's a lot of people that won't be able to come watch this team play. Well, here's an opportunity for free for them to come out two o'clock on. Saturday afternoon and, and watch this group play and, and, and give us some support and see what we're made out of. That's so one thing I was going to say. You can simulate game situations. It's hard to simulate 2,000-plus uh, people in the right. stands and as loud as it gets, as, you know, sort of uh, it, it amps up everything yeah. when, you, when you've got that many people in the gym uh, cheering you on. Uh, that's really the only way to simulate what the regular season is yeah, going to be like. And, and I don't think anybody will be disappointed when they come out on a Saturday afternoon to get a chance to watch this team. Uh, I know they've heard a lot about them because uh, there's been some hype in our community about mm-hmm. this team, despite the youthfulness that we have. Uh, we have some ballers, we have some competitors, and uh, they, they will fight for every point, and I'm excited about them, but we really do want uh, our loyal fans and some of those that uh, um, just want to see some good volleyball to show up 2 o'clock, Holloway Gym, and uh, you know, help us out a little bit. 
Guaranteed to be a good time. Let's go ahead and talk about that roster. Like you said, there's a lot of maybe familiar names, but uh, it's still a very young roster. It's still a uh, somewhat inexperienced roster in some places. Let's uh, let's go through first up front. Uh, I know you've got you know reigning Big Ten freshman of the year Eva Hudson coming back. All that means is she's only a sophomore. Right. We're expecting a lot from Eva as as you know we know she can deliver, but but she's still young in her collegiate career, uh, I would think a lot of the offense probably starts with her still. Well, it, it did last year, I think, o- over 500 kills uh, on the season. That's a lot of balls put away a lot by, of swings. by a freshman, but she got set the ball a lot, yeah. and we leaned on her very heavily, and um, this year, I'm hoping that she won't get nearly as many kills, because we won't have to set her the ball quite as often. I think we'll have a little bit more of a supporting cast offensively. Not that our cast was bad last year. We had some tremendous players, uh, but uh, she was a magnet yeah. for the ball. And uh, But I think others will step up. But Eva's just going to be a great player for us. She, uh, she's coming off of kind of a off-season injury and uh, has not been practicing every practice. Uh, I think as we get closer to next Saturday, she'll start going every every single practice. I think she's more than capable at this point in time, but she's a six rotation player that can do about everything. And she's a, a fierce competitor, which I think you know raises the level of everybody on our team when, when she comes um, and, and competes. Um, other players that are returning, we got Raven Colvin, uh, who I think is one of the uh, the best middles in our league. Uh, and I know she's ranked some of the top 20 of all returning players in the in the Big Ten, but I think she's better than that. She means a lot more to our team than that. She has probably been the one person that has really stepped up as a leader on okay. this team. We don't have a lot of those people in the upper class area. The two we do have are our fifth-year players. We've got Maddie Skimmerhorn, who's returning uh, to play her fifth year. You know, the NCAA uh, with COVID, you know, allowed that to happen. What what people need to understand is that teams have won national championships with a thir- a, a large amount of fifth year players. Sure, you know Wisconsin two years ago, Texas last year, they were just smothered with fifth year players. And if you're a school that thinks that you don't need to take advantage of that, you're making a mistake. And it's not easy because you've got to have the scholarships there, or you got to have a fine way to keep a fifth year player around. When we found a way to keep Maddie Skimmerhorn here, and she's a, a fine ball control mm-hmm. player, just a wonderful individual. This is nice of a kid if you're ever going to meet. So, uh, and she's got to provide a lot of leadership for us. We brought in another player from Denver University, in Lauren Poulter. She's going to fill in uh, for where Meg Renner, mm-hmm. um, you know, went down with that knee injury last year, and has kind of um, had to forfeit her final year here at, at Purdue because of that. And we feel awful about that, but she's on board with us. She's our student coach and has been very active in our practices already, especially with our setters. But Lauren is a similar kind of a player. Um, she's actually set more because she's played a little bit more during her career at, at Denver. Her sister is um, actually Jordan Poulter, who sets on the USA team. So she's been around the game for a long time. She's a tough competitor. And she right now is fighting with two other setters for the starting spot. Uh, she also had an injury last year, similar to what Meg did. Uh, hers was just much earlier. Hers was during the fall season, where Meg's was in the spring season. So okay. that's kind of the explanation yeah. there. But our, those are two fifth-year kids, and we have nobody else, no seniors. Okay, then you drop down to a class that's got redshirt junior Emily Brown and Raven Colvin and Allie Horning. And those, those players 
whether they know it or not, are going to be leaned on for us because we they've been around the block a few times and understand how, how you have to compete to be successful. Um, then we also have in the cl class that would be sophomores, some of those are true sophomores, some are redshirt sophomores. It's hard for me to even keep <laughs> as we go, but Lourdes Myers is mm -hmm. playing great this fall. She probably has been someone I would consider a breakout player in, in the preseason. She's just uh, healthy and playing high above the net and hitting the ball hard and has a smile on her face. It's just been fun to watch her play. Sydney M is another player that has taken a big step from a year ago. She's one of our setters, one of our three setters. And uh, she's been a, a real, real nice surprise for us, the way that she's competing for us. Emily Brown played for us a year ago, played a lot of right back, and um, is a really solid uh, ball control player. Has improved a lot from a year ago, and she'll be competing for time as well. And that might be all that we have in our junior class, unless you can tell me I'm wrong. I, I could be forgetting. <clears throat> well, here again, classification, or, or Rostovsky. Yeah. Oh, Rastowski uh, is just a soft. She's a redshirt sophomore, yeah, so kind of slides in there. So she's kind of with uh, uh, Myers as well. They, they're both kind of in the same boat. So yeah, um, but Emily Rastowski was out all spring with uh, kind of a unique shoulder situation, and uh, but she's bounced back and she's been been practicing hard for us this year. She's somebody who's athletic. She her jump has gone up. She's touching about ten five, okay. which is really getting off yeah. the floor, and, and she's physical just great shape right now so I, I think she's competing for the right side spot and tell me if i'm forgetting anybody else i, I think we're good for there then we get down to the freshman about, we've already talked, we talked about, about Eva. Eva a little bit but the freshman is is eight athletes um two that we redshirted start with uh, brielle warren from texas and uh Bree's a, a big physical left side player that can play some right side that's what she played mostly this spring but she can play in either spot and she plays hard she's a great competitor uh, she has to continue to improve her game, which, you know, she's, she works so hard every day in practice. And then Lizzie Carr is a, is a six-inch six middle that I think um, is going to get a lot of playing time here in the next four years. Mm -hmm. She's just a tremendous uh, player. She's focused. She has high aspirations. Um, nobody's seen her play much. You yeah. know, if you watch this play this spring, she got on the floor. She played about half the time. Lourdes Myers played about half the time. They both did a nice job. And then again, we'll probably share a lot of that second middle hitting position for us opposite Raven Colvin. And then you get into the six true freshmen. Uh, we got uh, Rachel Williams, who's right here from Westside High School, that I think has been more impressive than, than a lot of people thought. She's a nice little athlete, and she does. She's focused. She's just what you would want out of a freshman coming in to play in the backcourt. You have Julia Kane from Orlando, Florida that uh, is about a six foot half inch backcourt player, which is kind of unusual yeah. in the world of volleyball, but she's got great skills and, and uh, she's a, uh, a fun fun kid that, that I think kind of takes some of the, the edge off things sometimes in practice, which is nice. And then um, right side player from Nebraska, Grace Heaney. And uh, just so you know, it's pronounced Heaney as the emphasis on the E. And we'll be sure we, the a. Yep, we'll be sure we get um, that right on the broadcast. But she is a lefty, first lefty we've had since Annie Drews mm -hmm. uh, was pounding balls for us a few years ago. <laughs> uh, she's quick, quick as a cat. Okay. And she's got a high ceiling and uh, needs to get a little bit stronger, hit the ball a little more pop, block with a little more uh, ferocity, I guess you could say. But um, she's going to be a really good player. She's highly touted, was the top player, ranked player out of the state of Nebraska. And to get a lefty uh, on board has, has been a lot of fun. Have a setting, setting candidate from San Antonio, Texas, Taylor Anderson, 
who is smooth as silk. Um, it gets better all the time. The more you watch her play, the more impressed you become with her. She sets a great ball. Like a lot of our setters, Corey, she's been a setter hitter. Okay, most right. Of her career, a hitter first, and then she became a setter hitter, and now she's going to be just setting. But she's about six foot, half inch, six foot one, but plays long. She's tall, good athlete, um, as good of an athlete as we've had in the setting uh, position probably since Val Nickel. Okay. That kind of a, that kind of an athlete. Yeah. So I think that will excite some people. Then we have Kenna Woolard, who was in here in the uh, the spring. People got a chance to see her play, but she's taken a big jump since she got here. Uh, she has gotten stronger. Her work in the weight room has paid off for her. She's getting a lot more pace on the ball. She's been a great natural blocker. Again, she's about six foot half inch, uh, jumps really well, and is a really good player. She is going to be a tremendous player for Purdue. So I'm excited about her. And uh, then our last freshman is Chloe Chacoin. And uh, Chloe is right here from McCutcheon High School, just uh, on the other side of the river. And she's been everything that we could have hoped for. Um, when I describe her to people, I just tell her she's a machine. Yeah. Because she does everything the same pace the entire practice, and it's fast, and it's explosive, and it's dynamic. Uh, hits the ball. I think she hits the ball harder than anybody we've ever had. <clears throat> Um, just explodes on the ball, and uh, great attitude, hard worker. Um, she's she's worth the price of admission uh, to come watch play. So I think that kind of goes through our, our gamut of our players real yeah. quick for you. That is uh, that is quite the roster. It yeah. is uh, it is <clears throat> it is lots of depth. Uh, like we talked about, you know, big freshman class, not a lot of upperclassmen. It's great to hear that Ravens stepping up in the leadership role. Not at all surprised, but. Still great to hear. You never know really how somebody's going to develop into that type of a position until you see it. She's a natural leader. Um, if you know her dad, you understand why. And um, But she, she she's a no-nonsense leader right now. Mm-hmm. She's not putting up a bunch of Mickey Mouse stuff going on. You know, She's expecting everybody to, to, to be there and, and to compete and, and understand the plan and, and, and follow the plan. And, uh, she speaks out when it's not happening, and, and, and it's rare, yeah. in my opinion, in women's sports, probably in men's sports as well, but she is not afraid to let people know when they need to get on, on the stick, and we need that. You have to have that. You know, we're already talked about, you know, we're a young team playing in a, in a grown women's league, Yes, and we have to understand what those behaviors and what those characteristics look like. Um, we're about... We're, just over a week into fall camp, I know it's a it's it feels abbreviated uh, because, like you said, you're only a week and a half away from from the season opener. But well, Corey, when they only give you about 15 days yeah. to get ready for a season, it does feel abbreviated, and that's that's really something that the NCAA needs to take a look at, just in, in for health purposes. You know how how do you get ready to play Duke, Creighton, and Loyola of Chicago? Three really good teams, three three teams that could be NCAA tournament teams. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple of years since Duke's been there, but this is a better team. They have almost everybody back, plus the addition of a transfer from the Big Ten. And you've got to be ready to play them. You've got 15 days yeah. to get ready, and you can't do anything with them during the summertime. It's It, it needs to be looked at, and 
Uh, I know that there's been talk, but it, it, it's really a short amount of time, and you feel like you got to take advantage of almost every minute when you're in the gym. Especially when they've like when they've relaxed that out of season summer workout uh, contact right. in some sports, but not in all sports. I could definitely see yeah. an, a, a needed adjustment there. So what that forces you to do is is make the most of those 15 days. Uh, what has the the training camp schedule been like? Have you been going doubles a lot two a days? Yeah, for the most part. Again, we started last Tuesday, I believe, on the on the eighth, and for the most part, we've gone two practices. Uh, our setters and passers come in really early in the morning, and then about an hour and a half later, the rest of the team will will come in and we'll go for you know another two and a half hours. So we might get you know four hours mm-hmm. in the morning of training, take about three hours off, and then we bring them back in and we do a lot of skill work in the morning, fundamental skill work, that kind of thing. And then in the in the afternoon practice, we do more team-oriented play, more six-on-six. Six. And you have to do that early. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't fool around. You've got to get into six-on-six. Six. And when you have so many new pieces that we have this year, they're good pieces. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's like you're know, playing cards and getting a new hand every time. But if you got good cards, you're feeling pretty good about your chances. Right. And we, you know, we have we have pretty good cards. But how long can you wait before you start putting a group together yeah. that's going to be on the floor when you when you open up against Duke on on Friday? Because this is a a sport of chemistry. Volleyball is so much about cohesion and understanding what everybody's going to do on the floor and hitters get used to setters, all those kind of things. So. It's sometimes not fair to all your players because all of a sudden you're having to each day get a little closer and closer to putting a group on the floor that's going to play. Now, that's going to be impossible for us because there's, there's so much balance and so many good players, but we're going to start narrowing that down really as of today. And again, I hate that because we got kids that are working their tails off that are really good players that may be on the, on the second unit for a while. But I tell them that's where you are today. And doesn't mean where you're going to be tomorrow, and so um, what we have to understand, understand we got to start putting this together. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're going to get beat because we're not prepared. So that's that's how that stands. And we've seen we've seen too many times where you know things might be going bad for the for the rotation that's on the floor, but you get a spark off the bench right. from from a player who maybe only plays a handful of points in that set. They make a difference in that set, and that can yeah, that can turn a match. As a coach, Corey, you're you're kind of looking to see okay. These two people are, are pretty even, but one of them is going to be better in a starting role mm-hmm. because the other one might come off the bench and, and play better as, as somebody that hasn't been in the game. And you have to kind of weigh those things out as well. And you weigh you know, leadership and experience and toughness and competitiveness and how well they communicate and all those things start to matter. And, and you tell the players that those things are important so they get a chance to show you that they're willing to, to make those improvements and adjustments uh, to get a spot on the floor. We've already uh, alluded to the opening weekend schedule. We're going to get to the, the, the entire opening month mm-hmm. uh, when we come back from the break. Stick with us. The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the schedule a little bit more in depth, Coach. Like you said, open with Duke. Um, next Friday night, that is August 25th, that is uh, 7 o'clock right. you know, on, on Beeland Court uh, uh, against the Blue Devils. Uh, a couple years since they've been in the, in the tournament, uh, like you said, but, uh, but still a good challenge uh, out of the gate. Good to be in prime time for your home opener. 
It, it is, and, and I think it will be a really good test for us. Um, I think it's one, if we play well, we should win. I mean, you know, we've been a tournament team for many, many years, and um, they're Duke, and, and they, get, they draw good players, and they've had some really good teams over the course of time. What concerns me is that they have just about every single player back. And they also get the addition of Jess Robinson, who uh, was one of the top hitters in the Big Ten a year ago in the middle hitting position. And so they will definitely be a, a tall order for us. And um, we're going to put, you know, who knows how many freshmen we're going to start. Yeah. We, there'll be some freshmen starting for us. And how many, I don't know at this point, but there are going to be some freshmen play a lot that first weekend. And I, I totally expect them to play well. And I think that they'll, they'll be ready. And then we have Creighton who is, uh, I think, a top 15 team. I think they were ranked in the top 20 in that first poll. Yep. Uh, they have literally everybody back, and they've got one of the best left-side hitter and center combinations in the entire country. I mean, really, really impressive players. And they, they lost a match in the, I think it was the second round of the tournament last year. They lost to Houston. And Houston's really good, by the mm, way. Yes. You may see them as well <laughs> this year uh, in, in that third weekend that we host. But... The starting setter for Creighton um, was concussed the week before. Okay. And they thought she was going to be able to play in that match. And then right before the match, she started having some more symptoms and she couldn't play. So, you know, maybe the best setter in the league doesn't play, and Houston comes in and, and, and sneaks up on you and, and beats you. So uh, she'll be healthy when she plays here in Holloway Gym, and our fans will be able to see one of the best setters in the country that day, as Creighton will be here. But they, they, they're loaded. They're really, really good. They're well coached. And I don't know if they're picked to finish first or second in the league. Marquette is also in that Big East League. Those are the two uh, giants of, of that league. But that'll be a tough match. And, of course, Loyola of Chicago, a team we played a year ago down in uh, Knoxville. Mm -hmm. And we, we beat them, jumped on them early and beat them in three. But uh, they won the, the tournament. Were they in the Atlantic 10 now? Yeah, so, yeah. They actually knocked off Dayton and, and won that conference, like the first year they were in the conference. So, And they have literally every single player back from that team. So uh, those are, I mean, the, the, the bad news, I guess the tough news is we're going to have to play great volleyball to survive any of those teams. Yeah. The good news is they're going to have great seasons, all three of them. And so at the end of the day, from an RPI standpoint, trying to set up a resume to get a good NCAA tournament situation, uh, benefits by playing such such teams doesn't get easier you go to lawrence kansas week two to take on the jayhawks who were just outside the top 25 right. surprising we're a top 25 yeah, yeah. and then marquette who who is a top 15 team in the initial poll uh that that's another good to get that first road trip uh great to have challenging matches yeah. but but it yeah. it like I said, it doesn't get easier week two well ray bashard the head coach at kansas feels like this is going to be a really good team uh, for him, and uh, uh, so I'm not going to question that at all. Mm -hmm. They've got they've got good talent. They've, they've been been uh, NCAA tournament team for a long time. If you remember, they were the Final Four about four or five years ago, and yep. they were out at uh, Pitt um, two years ago when we uh, uh, lost to Pitt. They also lost to Pitt the game before. No, right, uh, Sweet, so 16. Sweet Sixteen. Mm -hmm. So they've had they've had good success, and they've got some really good offensive players and. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll be a handful to play, and they're, they're, they just opened up a new facility, I think, I think a year ago. Okay. Uh, kind of like ours, about the same size of ours, and it, so it won't be an easy place to play. And then you turn around and you play Marquette, and I just heard Ryan Tice interviewed, the head coach at Marquette, and uh, they have one goal and one goal only to be the best team they've ever had at Marquette. Mm. 
and uh, he feels confident that, that that can happen because he has, I think, an entire roster, maybe minus a libero, and then he got a transfer libero on the portal. That's really good. So they will be, they'll be tough to handle. At least that will be on a neutral floor at Kansas. Uh, but man, two, two matches back to back. Uh, we play Kansas on a Thursday, and we play Marquette on a Friday, and then Marquette plays Kansas on the following Saturday. Okay. Uh, I do love, before we get to week three, the Stacy Clark Classic, I, I love how you guys sort of, I don't know, collectively as coaches across the country, or is it, it, maybe it's more localized than that, how you've started to spread things out a little bit. There's, you know, it used to be two matches on Friday and then a match on Saturday. Well, you know, that takes That's a toll. A nightmare. That's that, a nightmare. It's real tough. And what happened was, uh, and the Big Ten coaches put this proposal together to the Big to the NCAA. I think there's some other conferences that got on board with it. That we add more dates. We used to only have 28 dates. You had to scram so if you as much. To play 30 matches, or you wanted to play 32 matches, whatever you wanted to have, yep. you, you would have to play a couple of matches on a day, which traditionally has been the way it's been. It's mm-hmm. volleyball. And then we started looking at at the impact that that was having, and, and how that was also creating some upsets. Uh, because you, it's hard to get mentally prepared to play two matches in the same day. So now you'll hardly ever see anybody playing two matches on the same day because you have the extra days. I mean, we're only playing 29 matches. Uh-huh. We had 32 dates we could have played, but we're just playing the, the, the 29, which I think is you know, nine non-conference matches and then the 20 Big Ten affairs. And I think that's good, too. Uh, it, it, a couple of these weekends you're playing – Two matches, like you said, instead of three. You're yeah. not using all the dates. You don't need to when you're playing Kansas and Marquette. And then the next week, and you've got Kentucky and Houston coming to town along with yeah. SMU. I, I think what you can what you can do without even knowing it is is just wear your team out. Mm-hmm. When you're playing this kind of a schedule, and then you're going into the Big Ten, where every time you step on the floor, you're playing against a really, really good opponent. If you're not careful, you know, you're not, you don't, even in our non-conference schedule right now, I don't have a match in which I can afford to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to rest this starter and rest this starter. That yeah. is not going to happen. Nope. In one single match that we play the entire year, am I going to be in a position to do that? And that's what I don't like about the RPI. Uh-huh. Is the RPI dictates if you make the tournament and where you're seated in the tournament, so you have no flexibility to try to give you know some of your people opportunities to play that they deserve because it's just hard in a sport like volleyball because of the chemistry that we talked about to start throwing new people in that haven't been playing. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'd step right in and they would be marvelous. And sometimes they are. But I, I, do, I do think that that RPI, which is 90% of what they utilize to, to seed the tournament and, and uh, make the tournament, it really hamstrings you on, on, on what, you, what you can do as far as playing more, more athletes. Playing more athletes, developing your roster a little yeah. bit, getting real game reps. Yeah. Uh, SMU the following Friday night, that is September 8th, that is also 7 o'clock, and then uh, you guys will turn around on Saturday and get either Kentucky or Houston. They will play game one on Friday, winners play. Yeah, and, and I suppose, not that I'm looking ahead to that one, but I suppose Kentucky is a slight favorite over Houston, but I think what we're finding out is Houston was really good last year and they've gotten better mm-hmm. than what I've read and heard that they're going to be really, really good. So that, that could be a real war uh, between you know, the SEC and a Big 12, a brand-new Big 12 team. Yeah. And then we have SMU, who I believe is picked to win their conference this year. So that'll be a really good tournament format. Great weekend. It's a tournament format yep. where the winners play, the losers will play first and the winners will play. 
and uh, that will be our next to last weekend before we get into our home finale. Mm-hmm. And uh, that moves right into the Boilermaker Challenge, which yes. is a really interesting event. Uh, I, I love this. You've got Illinois coming over mm-hmm. to play two non-conference neutral site matches for yeah. them, uh, while you guys get a couple of home matches against USC and Central Florida, both ranked teams and, and uh, both expected to be good. Yeah. A, a great challenge, a neat event. Yeah, and um, SC wanted to come in. Brad Keller is maybe in his third year there uh, as the head coach at USC. A real go-getter, man. He's, he's going to build a really, really good program. USC will be back in the top ten very soon mm-hmm. under his guidance. Um, but he wanted to, to kind of make a sample trip out here to the Big Ten before they do it uh, in real life the following year. And uh, it's, it's kind of like playing gin rummy. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're collecting these cards and trying to, to make something work. And this year, for some reason, our non-conference schedule just fell together yep. beautifully. Uh, again, it, it's really tough. Uh, but you have to have – if you want to get a top seed in the NCAA tournament, and you've got to schedule tough. That's the only way you can do it. And uh, it just worked that Illinois was willing to come over here on that weekend. Mm-hmm. And we will not play Illinois on that weekend, but we will both play Central Florida and uh, Southern Cal. And those, those will be four really, really good matches. You know, and you wonder, well, why is this, why is this schedule sold out? Well, because there's a lot of great matches. <laughs> and people in our, this part of the, uh, of the world, they understand what good volleyball is. And uh, it, it, it's... There's so many exciting things. I was telling our team this today, you know, because sometimes you get halfway through your your uh, preseason practice and they kind of hit a little bit of a, a, a lull or a wall. Either one, one. And I said, how can you not be super excited for what's ahead of, 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 of this program? I said, number one, we got the toughest schedule we've ever played mm-hmm. ever at Purdue. And how exciting it is to face those teams, whether they're here or on the road. Then you got, you know, down the road you've got Four, four more teams coming in that are going to make the mega volleyball conference of all time. We already were the best volleyball no conference doubt. of all time. And then you have four teams that are going to be top 25 teams on a regular basis. I mean, there's nothing more exciting about that. That's just going to be one challenge after another challenge. And the good news, I think, Corey, is we're going to be up for those challenges. I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to have a, a, a bad team uh, anytime soon. We're going to be right there in it. And so we got a chance to really make some noise, and I was just trying to get them fired up a little bit to go into the morning practice and let them know how can you be not fired up about what, what's on the uh, horizon. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's like you give pep talks for a living or something. You're, you're pretty good at that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to pull one out. <laughs> um, uh, challenging non-conference. Then we'll get into conference play. We're not going to talk about that at all today. There's plenty of time for that. Uh, three home weekends, just one road trip, which is – that's sort of the balance you're looking for, I think, right, that's, is is to be able to play terrific. at home. And that's, I mean, obviously that's hard to do. It's yeah. hard, hard to get two, you know. Most of those tournaments are four-team tournaments, so if you do the math on that, you ought to get one at home mm-hmm. and then be three on, three the, on the road. road. we got three at home. Now, that makes it difficult down the road because we're going to have to go back to um, uh, one of those places I know already. The... Uh, it's the, the Kentucky-Houston weekend, right? Oh, yeah, that one. That's a rotating. That's a rotating. So next, I think we're either at Kentucky or at Houston the okay. following year. That, that's just that's the first year of that deal. I love that deal. So, um, And the home team can set up the schedule the way that, that they want to do that. We set it up the way that we did. and then But the next three years, we're not going to be at home on that weekend yeah. because we'll be on the road. 
And I know like next year we got a trip to Utah. We have okay. Yep. Um, and I, I don't think there's any other ones that we, we owe at this point in time. But uh, uh, we'd like to get at least two home tournaments every non-conference. And like you said, uh, you sort of alluded to it, that part of you love when the schedule comes together like this because it's great volleyball. And part of the reason it's great volleyball is you've, you've got the roster this year to compete you've had the roster for the last handful of years to compete with a schedule like this to be out there and 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 really do some good yeah and what i what i think i know about this team is we're going to put three or four of the most competitive kids i've ever coached on the floor so what people need to understand is that means there's a better chance we're going to play to our level yeah and if you're if you don't have great competitors um, or veteran players you'll be a little more up and down. And it's just hard to know exactly how you'll respond from one match to the next. But I think when you've, when you've got, and I'll just mention a few of them, uh, Eva, Chloe, Raven, I think whoever we put in the setting position, I think our backcourt players, whoever it might be that plays libero, there, there's gonna be this source of, of toughness and competitiveness and refuse to lose mentality that you know, we're, gonna, we're gonna have a shot to, to win any of those I mean, I think any match we play this year. I mean, Wisconsin's obviously the juggernaut yep. in our league right now. They won four in a row. They're looking for five. They're ranked second in the country. I voted them first because I got to look at them this spring, and, yeah. and I know what they got, their size, their physicality, the way they play defense, and, and just the, the, the pride they have in that program. So, um, you know, the, I, I, but I still think this team will have a chance to win. We're going to have enough size, enough power, uh, enough ball control, uh, some great arms. Uh, I think we'll block well enough. I mean, I think we're going to be able to do things well enough that providing we don't have any, any injuries or, or any issues that we'll have a chance to compete against anybody on our schedule. That's all you can ask. Yeah. Chance to compete. Texas 1, Wisconsin 2, Stanford 3, Louisville 4, Nebraska and Pittsburgh tied with uh, 1,294 votes. Tied for 5th. That's the top 6-ish uh, in the preseason poll. Preseason polls are what they are. Polls are what they are. They're they're one measuring stick uh, for fans, really. Um, before we get out of here, Coach, and and this has been awesome. Kent, so glad volleyball season's back. Um, there's some alums doing some things. Uh, got to see one of them last week. Sheridan Atkinson was back yeah, yeah, on campus. Yeah. Good to catch up with her a little bit, and yeah. she's on her way uh, to Athens. Athens, Greece, pretty good place to go play. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, can't can't beat getting played yeah. paid to play volleyball out there. But uh, yeah. th- let's talk. Let's do a little alumni corner here. Okay. Um, Team USA has a decided Purdue flair right now with three active players. Right. Um, just unbelievable news to hear. Uh, when they got together this summer uh, to train and play in the Volleyball Nations League. Uh, and they're still out there training right now, yeah. that same group that uh, Annie Drews, of course, uh, as an opposite, Daniel Catino, who was with them as well a year ago, as an opposite, and then Ashley Evans as a setter. Uh, you know, three out of, I think they might have had 16 to 18 in that roster that kind of rotated a little bit. But I think Evans went to a couple trips with them, you know, yeah. traveled on, I think they had four weekend trips or four week trips and uh, she went on two of them I think Annie went on maybe three of them and Danielle on a couple uh, but that's pretty impressive I mean yeah. when I when we when I first came to this this job you know the dream was that someday you get one that mm-hmm. might be on on the national team and uh, to have three of those 
a character's training, and quite honestly, someone like Sheridan Atkinson can't be too far yep. uh, from there, but she's just kind of focused a little bit more on uh, some other things, including playing professionally, and um, it was great to have her, her back. You know, a big personality, as you know, and she's got great social media presence. Mm -hmm. She's gonna be a star. I mean, she's already a volleyball star. Yep. She will be a star in something because just her intelligence, her just her personality is, is so wonderful. And you know, you, it's just neat to watch these kids grow up. Yeah. You know? and, and I said the same thing about Annie Drews. Annie was a great player for us. And then she went off and played and had some ups and downs professionally and got on the national team. And she came back and spoke to our team maybe five years after graduation. I didn't know who I was listening to. <laughs> it's just amazing how they develop. Yeah. And the, and the confidence that I think playing intercollegiate athletics and playing professional sports, that confidence that that gives you is, is amazing, and that prepares them for whatever else is left in life. These guys are going to make a lot of money playing pro. Sure, like, yeah. I'm amazed what they're making nowadays playing, if you're one of those top-tier players, like the three or four that we're talking about right now. But at some point in time, they'll have to come back and, and settle into a, a rollback in, in this country. And then the other thing is, United States is going to have three pro leagues next year for volleyball. Right. And we haven't been able to function one of them for very long, okay? So I don't know how we're going to get four pro leagues, but one of them has is, is got some big-time money backing from the owners of those, those ones. And uh, Grace Cleveland is going to be playing Atlanta in that league. Um, Blake Muller, is, 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 I think, is going to be playing in Orlando okay. in that league. So we're going to... And, and, uh, Ashley, Ashley's she's going to be playing in Grand, Grand Rapids. Rapids. Right, right. So we're going to have representation in that league as well. There might be more. I just don't know right now because that's the early in the going. But no, it's if you want to be able to play on the international level, you want to play professionally, you want to get into coaching, there's, I mean, there's so many things that our alumni are doing that I, that there's no way you would look at Purdue and say, well, that wouldn't be a good choice. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be a great choice. And I think that with the success I smell coming um, down the road, I, I think that, that there's some really good times ahead for Purdue Island. Like you said, it takes a long time to get to that point. You know, like it, at the beginning, your first, your first however many years here, you're praying that maybe you get one yeah. down the road at some point and to, to lay the foundation, to see it build up, and now you know, yeah. really starting to, to get well, the Well, but it's still, it's still, you have to still do things uh -huh. with everything you got every day. It's not like, okay, now we're here. Yeah, right. It's, We've arrived. It's, it's just going to happen by itself because <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm having to coach harder right now than I've ever coached in my entire life. So, um, but it's, it's fun. It's what I like to do. That's good. Um, last thing, and it speaks to the growth of the game too. Uh, you had the second Big Ten Volleyball Media Day yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, uh, I'm told by uh, folks in attendance there was quite a bit more media there this year, a little bit more buy-in from from uh, national media, you know, reporters from different yeah. uh, areas of the country coming out, coming to Chicago. To mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's another one of those things that volleyball is on the rise, and and it's got to be so awesome to be able to see that starting to pay off. Yeah, I, I just thank the Big Ten Conference and the Big Ten Network for not following other people's lead of waiting for someone else to get behind volleyball. Yeah. They've, they've gotten behind it. And what's happened is that now in the Big Ten Network, volleyball is, is the third most popular sport uh, on TV, mm -hmm. in the Big Ten Network, by a substantial margin, okay? And behind football and men's basketball. 
And this media day isn't something that they're doing for us. They think it benefits what they're doing. Right. It helps their coverage. It, it, it's and, it, and we and our players have earned that situation. And and it's a great day. I mean, the the, the two athletes that every sport or every team takes to that volleyball media day once in a lifetime experience. Mm-hmm. They're just they're they're like queens for the day. And uh, and we have a great time. And so I, I just feel so fortunate that we're playing in this league. And now you're going to add four four more teams that uh, are are going to be really really super competitive and it's just going to be uh it'll be something else a lot of fun sure. yeah going to be a great season uh, really for all intents and purposes going to start this saturday yeah two o'clock yeah. scrimmage in holloway gym get out there play. please we I, getting getting two thousand people in that gym for this event would be a treat for our fans for, for our players we're going to sign autographs we're going to be able to take pictures with our players uh whatever whatever the fans want to do our players will be available for them Get out there, support your Boilermakers, and then uh, we'll open the season next week. We'll be back with you, Dig City Podcast, weekly for the rest of the season, starting right now. So uh, you'll get your fix right here. Coach, thank you. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate it. Boiler up. Boiler up.